Hey everybody, welcome back to another bonus episode of the show. This time is the best of 2020. So what I did for this episode, I compiled my favorite moments that I discussed in different episodes. So this starts as a great way to listen to the very first bonus episode, catch up with some you may have missed, or this could be a great opportunity for you to share with your friends to get them hooked on the show. And before we jump into the very first episode, I want to say I hope you had a wonderful Christmas and I'm wishing you a great new year. All right, let's dive into the very first bonus episode. Hey, Soap fans, welcome to the very first bonus episode of the show. So I've actually never done that before, but I just wanted to take time to just dedicate to my soap opera fans and lovers like myself. So I actually grew up watching soap operas like since I was young with my mom. So I've watched a lot of them. I've watched a little bit of All My Children. I watched One Life to Live, Bald and the Beautiful, Young and the Restless, General Hospital, and I've peeped in on Days of Our Lives here and there. Um, Bald and the Beautiful, Young and the Restless, and GH have been my main staples most of my life, but right now I'm kind of turned off with Bald and the Beautiful, so my main focus is GH and Young and the Restless. So we're going to jump in and start with GH. So I'm glad that TJ is now home. And let me preface this statement by saying I have not seen the April 13th, Monday, today's episode yet. So I'm just going to go with what I've seen over the last week and everything of that nature. So yeah, I'm so glad that TJ is home. I'm glad that he's well. Some people thought he might be drugged out by Cyrus. And I mean, you know, he's a drug pusher, so it makes sense. But I'm glad he's well and safe. Now, will TJ be able to just pick up where he left off? I don't know and you know soap opera land things are gonna get messy things are gonna get crazy and we know that Molly had a one night stand with Brando but I mean if you look at their scenes she was sparkling and she was into him honestly truly like she called it a mistake because yeah like she loves TJ that's who she's known all of her life but she sparked and I think she feels a little something for Brando I mean of course not anything remotely to what she feels or has felt for TJ but there's a little something there and I don't think the show is going to drop it I definitely think something's going to happen and it's going to be explored I hope Molly's not pregnant or anything but you know you never know so and also if you want to add in there I believe that Brendel has a thing for her because when she said it was a mistake it was apologizing and going on and on about TJ he looks you know disappointed so I definitely don't think that's the end there and I'm actually excited for Molly to get a storyline again and even the new TJ I'm interested to see where this goes so speaking of relationships and problems sam and jason my thing is and i mean i guess it is kind of a backward slide for the character of sam because she is more about her family and you know her children when she was with drew but now like she just ready to throw all that away just to have like these little moments with jason and it's like you know i get it y'all were away for like a long time but even when jason first came back like you weren't rushing to him like that it took you a while to get back to him so it's like you know you can be without him and then again it's your kids do what you have to do for your kids is it fair no it's not but you've been through a lot of things that aren't fair you lost your baby lila with sunny a lot of things aren't fair you know your brother danny like didn't he have like autism or something and then he got killed i think it was when the outbreak happened or some like major storyline or whatever but yeah i mean it's your kids do what you have to do i get it and i say this as someone who is like an OG J Sam fan like I love Jason and Sam in the beginning but I think something is just off now in terms of the relationship now that Steve Burton's back it's just not the same but still just her I don't like how she was acting and the whole like tantrum and throwing things like it's just so unnecessary it's just for a little bit of time you've been apart from him longer before even when he's been back after being presumed dead so you know 
just do what you gotta do girl <laughs> keep it moving so anyway we had that carly centroid which is really a nail centric episode and i have many thoughts they are really trying to redeem nail and i mean i get it i mean i think the actress i think she's great at what she does and i hate nail but that's when you know somebody's doing their job right when you feel something towards them whether it's intense love or intense hate they're doing what they're supposed to do and that's the mark of a great actor or actress so she's doing that but I feel like if you wanted to make her someone that can stick around the, the canvas long term you should have made some leeway with her you shouldn't just make her be like just so annoying to the audience you know what I'm saying like you just should have thought about it better like there's Helena like Helena was a character she was a villain but you love to hate her you love seeing her appearances now and I mean that's in part due to the brilliance of Constance Towers but it's also how they wrote her how they wrote for her character is she redeemable no but you don't care you know it's just you have to be careful and delicate how you write a character to make the audience want to deal with them long term you know but her reign of terror was just so atrocious and annoying and it just it doesn't make sense I mean she believes the lies of her father who probably adopted father and we'll get inside a little bit later after he sold her kidney and all these different things and it's just like why like all of her motives none of it rings true none of it makes sense at all and those things make it hard to root for her and that episode didn't change anything for me and I think it was supposed to but it didn't okay Carly saw her as a kid and why would Carly is supposed to take care of you she's not your biological sibling she's not your mother like I don't get it so it didn't work for what they were trying to do I get what they were trying to do but like I said it just didn't work so there's that so the major thing about that was of course the takeaway that Nell is Nina's daughter because she had on the little half heart necklace in the flashback and I mean people started suspecting that because of course her taking on this role at Crimson with Nina and I mean she worked with Nina before in the past so I will say that with this it's not something that came out of nowhere there were seeds planted that you know the storyline can make sense with it in that way some people wonder if if Nell and Willow are going to be like twins of Nina's and I would like that storyline better that not only do you have one daughter Nina you actually have two and they're polar opposites I think that would make for even better drama I think of course like they'll be setting up for a Carly and Nina battle with Nell being Nina's daughter and that makes for great drama too but I think it would be even better if Willow was in fact her daughter like we all really suspected from the start you know back when Michelle Stafford was in the role and there was just that intense hatred and battle between them and Nell because then you got so many different dynamics between what I mean Nina trying to accept two daughters and then one that's like a psychopath but then you have you know Willow trying to accept their harmony is not her mother when they're trying to repair their relationship and then you have her like a person that she absolutely hates Nell as her sister that's just great drama great soapy drama so I hope that it goes that route and that there's more to the story so speaking of drama so Trina I love her and I've said that before and she's been getting more shine but then when you get more shine that leaves it open for more haters and more criticism people are mad and frustrated with her character and they're trying to like slander her on the boards I'm on slipcentral.com by the way that's my main board so anyway my thing is why aren't we letting Trina act her age this girl is still a teenager your frontal lobe your brain is not fully developed until you're 25 and this is the first time she slipped up you know like let her be her age let her have the full expression and range of human emotions whether it's perfect or not allow her that space allow her to have that and like I said I mean again she's a kid still 
she's not going to handle things perfectly and she's shown that she can be mature and more so than her peers let her have a moment where she falls we're not infallible none of us are let her not be perfect you know let her be flawed and don't hold her to standards that you wouldn't hold others to you know that's kind of my thing for it so I don't like the Trina hate like yeah she's getting my nerves how she's grading at Curtis and how she showed up to Curtis and Jordan's home and everything of that nature but again kid people kid it's I mean like look at Sam she's a grown woman with like <laughs> two kids and she's like throwing tantrums because she can't be with her boyfriend like come on you know so think of it in that perspective compared to that case so wrapping up my gh talk curtis and portia so when curtis was given the background of the whole tj jordan him his brother thomas and then sean thing that was so foreshadowing that portia was around to hear it and hear the whole baby daddy story and the paternity secret and all that it was so foreshadowing trina is definitely going to be curtis's daughter and that was definitely setting up for it and i'm actually excited for this i'm interested in seeing curtis have a daughter and i'm interested in seeing his dynamic with portia play out like i said another reason i'm glad tj is home is because i'm just over jordan i'm over her with that whole storyline so she can go <laughs> on the lace side as far as i care all right so now we're going to jump into young and the restless chat to be quite honest, I'm feeling so uninspired when it comes to Young and the Restless. I feel like, I mean, no matter what, and whatever problems you had with Mal Young, I feel like the show is kind of better under his tenure. There was more action. There was more intrigue, more storylines that kind of drew your attention. I've just been so uninspired lately, and there's just not been much going on. You have a lot of rehashing of the same old, same old, like with Phyllis and Nick. How many times are they going to get together and throw each other on blocks and walls and desks and whatever and have sex? like we get it you have this intense crazy passion okay cool been there done that what would be more innovative is to see a whole shift in nick where he's just happy being single and in his own being that would be a shift or giving both of them a new love interest and just starting anew that would be more interesting to me that would be more entry than the same old wash rinse repeat and I'm not gonna lie I also don't like Nick and Phyllis together because I'm a Sharon Nick fan even though I don't think she should be with Nick for a long time and I'm cool with her and Ray right now um, I like Sharon and Ray better when they first started dallying with each other but you know I still I'm still cool with them but yeah maybe like you know when the show ends Sharon and Nick could be in game and get back together then but in the meantime no I would really just like to see Nick stand on his own and just really forge a new path I was interested when Dark Horse started because it was something new and something refreshing but they just did away with all of that but I would really just like to see something different and then that brings me to the whole Adam Chelsea Alyssa storyline I honestly haven't really tuned into it because I'm so tired of the Adam versus victor thing another i'm tired of it rinse wash repeat let's do something new i would like to see adam and victor really bond and even more crazy i would like to actually see nick and adam bond or you know adam and victoria or even adam and abby i want to see actual family dynamics between them and not just the same old same old i want something new give something to viewers to tune in that'll make them say oh you know what let me see where this is going and they've thrown hints of it we've seen moments where you know adam and victor seemed like they were gonna get back together and that <laughs> sounds so weird sound like they were gonna have a great father-son relationship finally but that didn't happen and then when justin hartley was still um adam you know him and nick they started to bond and i like that that was something refreshing and that's what i want to see give us something new not the tried and true because eventually the tried isn't so true anymore so there's that 
So then jumping into Theo, Kyle, Summer, and Lola. Not a fan of the quad. And I actually really liked Lola when she first came on. And then of course, kind of like with Trina on GH, the more you see her, they start doing things that damage the character. But I feel like for Lola, it's not something that she can necessarily come back from. The way she was acting about the purse and just with Kyle 24-7, it ruined their relationship for a lot of viewers. And I can't be mad at that. I thought they were so cute, had so much chemistry in the beginning, but yeah i mean a bad pen and paper it can really do some damage but for me kyle really loved lola and he wasn't caring about summer when she was chasing he hated being married to her like soon as he could he couldn't even stay married to her for the time that he said that year he just jumps and ran to lola and it's like you know they had some people say like oh he wants something new something strange well lola and kyle had sex before they got married so if that was the case he didn't have to marry her and so it's just a stark like contrast from what we've been seeing like over the last year and a half to now him not really caring that much about Lola and just all engrossed in Summer again. Now, I mean, him and Summer, they have a very rich, deep layered history. I get that. And I think he was always going to have feelings for her. I'm not doubting that or saying that part's crazy, but just the abrupt shift, you know? like that sort of thing and then even with Lola there's an abrupt shift she was all you know virginal and saving herself and then all of a sudden she's like you know what no let me go ahead and have sex with Kyle and it was just like that wasn't her and then she became kind of a vixen like thing and it's like okay but now I see her kind of shifting back into it and her taking things slow with Theo that's more original Lola in a way but I'm not a fan of Theo to bring him up and I'm okay with Summer now, but I, you know, for the most part, I haven't been a fan of her character even since she was a little girl. But back to Theo, I'm not a fan. I don't see why he's on the show. I don't see why they made him like an honorary abbot and tied him to Dina. It just feels unnecessary. What they're trying to do with this quad, they're not doing in the way that they think they are or they hope they are. There's no intrigue, and it's like again, you have to build up for the next generation. And we see the vets being sidelined, and I'll get into that in a minute, but. Yeah, you have to build up that entry. You have to build up the next generation. Make them interesting. Make them pop. Make people want to tune in. Make them want to see. And they're not doing that. They're boring to me. To the point where I miss seeing the vets. I miss seeing Victor in action. Him just sitting on the couch, you know. That isn't interesting or cool to me. It's He's been, like, neutered. Like, I don't like it. And even Jack. Like, I want to see him in straight-up business mode. Not, you know, playing peacemaker between Theo and Kyle or just sitting there at home and I love Dina's storyline I love Dina the actress who plays her those storylines engross me but I just want more for Jack and he's been having a lot of scenes with Jill lately it makes people think are they going to get back together yes or no I mean I would be cool with that though honestly when they were flirting with the idea of Jack and Lauren I was more for that but yeah I just want more for all of the vets I definitely want more for Jack and I want more for Victor and I would also like to see Jack winning for a while and I don't want to see that whole tried and true you know Jack versus Victor thing we can let that go that can go away so speaking of Abbott's let's talk Billy so now Billy's working at Chancellor with Lily now what happened to that job that he had that we didn't really know if it was real job or not if he was making it up back when he was with Victoria like <laughs> that remote job or whatever I don't know was that real and then I feel like that whole like inner dialogue thing where he was talking to himself and chewing gum like I don't know like what happened with all that I feel like it was kind of lost in the sauce like what happened to that storyline anyway now he's working with Lily and it seems like they may be pairing them but I'm kind of like well is the actress Crystal Khalil is she back full-time now 
or not i know she like moved to like canada toronto and she has like a yoga thing that she teaches on the side because she's certified now in the beginning i wanted to see i was interested in lily and billy but that was before he was being thrown more into amanda's orbit billy is a hot mess i know it and logically in real life i wouldn't want someone with such a hot mess but in real like r-e-e-l life i do want to see billy and amanda i feel like they have such passion and they spark together and they had that real slow build and you got to see them form a real friendship they got to bear their souls to each other they were there for each other in some of the darkest times and I just really feel like they should be explored and layered. And of course, like she was on a date with Nate. And so, you know, Billy looked a little jealous. So maybe they'll circle back to that. Remains to be seen. But I'm Team Amelie all the way. That's just how I am. And I'm also just Team Michelle Morgan. I adore her. And when she was written off as Hillary, I was absolutely devastated. And I was so excited to hear that she was back. So... I'm just for whatever she's got going on. I'm going to support either way. But yeah, that's who I prefer. But right now they're testing her with Nate. And while Nate's a handsome guy, he just doesn't spark for me. They don't spark. I mean, they're cute. The smiles and everything. They're not bad, but they're just not it. Like they don't have that same spark, that same chemistry, that same range as a couple. They don't have that layered dialogue. Like Billy knew so much more about her than Nate's like just finding out later on. And it's like okay why can't you be with the person who you could bear your soul to from the jump instead of someone who finds out bits and pieces as they go and i don't know i'm not a huge fan of the coupling and for me i don't even see why they recastinate because i don't see a difference between him and currently and then the former portrayer like it just doesn't spark but in the end though i actually saw my chemistry with the original nate um from a year or so ago before this recast when michelle morgan was still playing hillary but we'll see where things go but i'm also curious because they're throwing her more and more with devon are we gonna see a shift is it all just steps to a haven i don't know what it'd be called now um reunion because when she it was weird that she was like telling him i'm gonna date nate i'm gonna date with nate like why are you telling him that's none of his business that's none of his concern and y'all are cool so there shouldn't be any drama but also when she walked away devon made a face and you know Elena she's been making faces too like when she sees Devon and Amanda you know interacting with each other so are, is it like stepping stools like are we gonna do you know a billion Amanda then a Nate and Amanda then ultimately get to end game Devon and Amanda I don't know and you know given that Brighton and Brittany the actress who plays Elena and the actor who plays Devon are dating in real life I don't really see them breaking up the couple but then again you know that doesn't have a bearing because Victoria and JT they got back together on the show but I think they're divorced in real life so there's that who would I prefer to see okay we already know Nate and Amanda at the bottom but then when it comes to Billy and Amanda versus Devon and Amanda I love Devon when he was with Hillary so like I hope I don't have the choose between Billy and Amanda and Devon and Amanda because I don't know. I don't know. They both spark for me, but I think I would want to see her in something new. So I think, you know, I would choose her with Billy. But nostalgia and original pairing with Devon, man, still sparks, still chemistry. And I feel Elena sparks more with Nate. I don't know, just my opinion. So anyways, that wraps up this bonus episode of Soap Opera Chat. I hope you loved it. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends. Send a link. Tweet about it. And I'll keep it going. All right. See y'all later. Bye. 
enjoyed it? I sure hope so. That was the very first bonus episode that I ever did, and I'm so proud of it. Now we're going to jump into the episode where I discuss the daytime Emmys of last year, and then I have some wonderful other episodes encapsulated as well. Hey everybody, I'm back with an exclusive bonus episode that is centered around soap operas. So of course on Friday, the daytime Emmys aired and I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the winners and just give my take on whether I agree or disagree. And then also I want to talk about how I feel about the Emmys overall. And then at the end, I want to talk about what I hope to see in the shows when they resume. All right, so let's go ahead and jump in. All right, so I'm going to start with the younger outstanding performer category. And for me, I cannot comment on Days of Our Lives winner because I do not watch the show. So I won't say whether I think it's fair or unfair. But I will say that I don't think that it's fair that actresses of Eden's age, Eden McCoy, who plays Jocelyn, that she has to compete in a category with older talents, such as the Days of Our Lives actress or Caitlin McMullen, who plays Willow on GH. So I think that's something that they need to tweak. But then again, you don't have many younger performers. So then that's another thing. And I think they need to bring in more, you know, to continue for the next generation. And hopefully soap operas have, you know, more time left in them and more wind in their sails. So anyway, for me in that category, who I was personally rooting for was Caitlin McMullen, who plays Willow. For me, she's a favorite on the show, and it's interesting because I don't find her character particularly, like, super entertaining for me, but it's just something about the actress that I think is special that makes me want to see Willow stick around, and that makes me feel for her and want to see more of her. So personally, she's my favorite. I also want to say that it was so nice to see Michelle Stafford as Nina again. I still prefer her as Nina. I'm sorry. Like, no shade or hostility or ill will towards the current actress. But I feel like Michelle Stafford, you know, she is Nina to me. And again, I still prefer her in that role versus Phyllis. Even though she created both roles, essentially, I just feel like Nina is her. Um, I still prefer, and shout out to Gina Tognoni, I still prefer her as Phyllis and wish that we had her back. So anyway, shifting on to supporting actress. So Tamara Braun from GH, she won that award. And it was for her work during the storyline where Oscar died. It was solid work. So I'm not mad that she won it. Um, and let me just say that I do appreciate the daytime Emmys highlighting racial injustice. And I do appreciate Tamara Braun dedicating her award to those, you know, fighting for racial inequality, such as myself and other people of color, other black people those terms are not synonymous but that's a chat for another day but yeah so I do appreciate all of that and Brighton who I'll get to later did the same but I also want to say that it's not enough to just use your words it needs to be your actions we need to see you know you back it up we need to see more black writers we need to see more black actresses we need and I mean and not just black you know as well we need to see more latinx writers and actors and actresses and the same for asian actors and actresses but i mean specifically again speaking to the black lives matter movement and our fight for equality we need to see you back it up we need to see it in leadership we need to see it in representation all of that we need to see it in the content in the context of representation what are the storylines like how often are they featured things of that nature words are great i love it but don't make it just a mere platitude let us see it you know so anyway, back speaking to the category and the award itself. So yeah, I'm not mad Tamara Braun won. I think it was a solid performance for her. But I have to say for me, I was rooting for Crystal Khalil on Young and the Restless. For me, Lily mostly does nothing. Um, I think this was just a moment 
that she was really able to shine in part because of raw emotion in that moment honoring Christoph St. John and I want to dedicate this episode in fact to Christoph St. John um, and of course to the fight for racial inequality um, but also on a quick note we're fighting for racial equity there is a difference between equality and equity but what again conversation for another day and another episode but yeah dedicating this to Christoph for sure but I think she really showed more emotion than we see in most of her career I'd say maybe when she was acting during the cancer storyline that Lily had that that was the only other time that I really felt something from the actress and the role and again it all relates to storylines and the writers and the directing so I'm not knocking Crystal Khalil at all I love her but I just really feel like she deserved this moment I think it was her first nomination I think she deserved this moment and I think she really deserved this Emmy so that's just my feeling um, speaking to Bold and the Beautiful, so the actress, I believe her name is Anika. I'm so sorry if I got it wrong, but I believe that's her first name who plays Hope. So I've tuned out for Bold and the Beautiful for the last two, three years. Like, I never saw Steffi have Baby Kelly. Like, I've been tuning into the boards here and there, seeing what's going on to see if I want to come back to the show, and nothing's presented that's made me want to. So I can't speak to her. But just from little scenes I saw and then hearing the rating spike about the reveal of, you know, Baby Beth being alive. I think she could have been a solid contender for the role as well. So anyway, moving on to supporting actors. So Brighton James, Young and the Restless, who plays Devon, he won. And I'm glad because finally it was like recognition for that moment. The memorial on the show honoring Neil Winters, but you know, really Christoph St. John. For actors, for creatives, I mean, even though you're given a script, you're given direction, the real acting comes from the heart. It comes from the soul. It comes from the raw emotion that you have. And he got that across on screen brilliantly. I think Christoph would be honored. I'm glad that he dedicated his award to Christoph and again, the fight for, you know, equality and things of that nature. So I'm happy that he won. But I also want to shout out two other actors that I think deserve an honorable mention. So James Patrick Stewart on GH, he plays Valentina. Let me tell you, y'all, I could not stand Valentine for the longest. I've recently only been on his side for like the last couple of weeks before the show ends. I had is due to the coronavirus. But there is something special about the actor, especially in his scenes with little Charlotte. He just brings such emotion and connection that I can feel the love radiating from him you know, towards this actress that's not his real daughter, but he just really plays it in the scene and he really, you know, hones in on that moment. I don't know if the submitted scenes really showcase his best quality and maybe that's why he didn't win, but I still want to give him honorable mention and shout out. Another um, I want to give an honorable mention to is Mark Grossman, who plays Adam on The Young and the Restless. I don't like his iteration and version of Adam. You know, we don't speak on that Adam, you know, the second one because of alleged allegations but he was my favorite Adam for me but I also did like Justin Hartley's portrayal Mark Grossman in general doesn't do it for me but I want to give him an honorable mention because I really felt that scene that he submitted when he was talking with Victor in that moment that was rawness that was passion that was Adam that was that wounded child who just want to connect with their parent their father so bad and I think there's many people out there who can relate to that so I do want to give him an honorable mention for that that was a great scene and that was a great moment so then shifting into lead actor Jason Thompson who plays I was about to say Patrick Drake no that's the GH days <laughs> Billy Abbott on the young and the restless he won 
and that's great i'm happy for him i love the actor on gh and i love him on the young and the restless so i'm absolutely happy for him i think you know from what we see on social media he seems like a great person so i'm all for it i just want to give an honorable mention and shout out to john lindstrom who plays kevin slash ryan chamberlain on gh now when he's in the role of kevin he's so boring <laughs> and not a favorite character not someone i want on the screen but for me, he shows his range when he's playing, you know, Kevin and then the dual role of Ryan Chamberlain because to play such a boring, you know, quote unquote good guy that Kevin is and then to switch to the deranged and psychotic but very dynamic Ryan Chamberlain, it shows his range, it shows his talent and his ability. And I really want to give him a shout out and honorable mention for that because I think he did great. So if he won too, I would have been happy. Um little shady moment here but you know i'm i'm okay with steve burton now winning i mean if you would have asked me beforehand like i always would be rooting for steve burton but he's kind of a bad seed i've seen you know alleged things that he's done i'm gonna say alleged for legal purposes but he's a little bad seed um so i'm not rooting for him and also just in general i've really thought about it when i've read the comments on the boards and the character of jason morgan it is very robotic there's not much range and passion that can be shown and even when he transitioned to dylan on young and the restless it was still a dud you know for me so i don't know i'm just gonna leave it at that you know not to get into slander territory so anyway shifting to lead actress so heather tom one she plays katie on the bowl and the beautiful cbs i would like to say heather tom is a great actress so in terms of acting ability, I'm not mad that she won, but I wouldn't want it for her because it's always the same thing. Like she's always winning for crying. She always has like the same storylines, either it's a health crisis or she's being cheated on by Bill. Those are the two things they give Heather Tom. So I'm not mad at her winning for acting ability, but I just want somebody else who gets new storylines to portray to win. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's easy to win for something that you've done over and over again. So for me, I would have liked to see Maura West win on GH. She plays Ava. I think she's a wonderful actress. Even when Ava gets on my nerves, I still root for Ava because I adore the actress with everything in me. She is one of my most favorite actresses in daytime. So I believe she should have won the lead actress role. And I think she's great all of the time. And I think she was great, you know, with the fallout of Kiki's murder. I think she was great with realizing that Ryan Chamberlain, the man that she fell in love with, wasn't Kevin. And that he was, in fact, Ryan Chamberlain and killed her daughter so i think she was lovely and i think she deserved the award but again no shade no foul none of that to heather tom i think she's brilliant so moving on to more of the show in terms of itself winning so bold and beautiful one for writing again i can't speak to the storyline and they did get high ratings during the reveal of beth being alive and being you know with Steffi and being hope and liam starter all along um so i would say maybe it was great and i think there was that ability i saw certain scenes during the telecast that maybe think maybe was a great storyline so i won't knock it for winning for writing for submitting maybe that episode and related things but overall i will knock the rating for bone beautiful again i'm tuned out for three years and i want to come back but there's nothing that i see that makes me want to come back whatsoever and the storylines they've been the same i mean Steffi, liam and hope that whole thing started with in 2011 so almost a decade the same kind of things bill cheating on katie with brooke or with whoever like Steffi, all of those things you know, they've been done so many times over the last decade. It's nothing new. It's nothing fresh. So it's kind of a slap in the face for <laughs> to me for them to win the writing award when that was 
I mean, even the baby swap thing, that's so tired, but I guess they did it brilliantly. And again, I won't knock it because I didn't watch it. And I do think from the scenes I saw that it had potential. But just in general, them receiving a writing award is like a no for me. Like one moment does absolve you for the last like 10 years of the same old thing, you know, just swapping out characters. I mean, even the intern stuff that I saw with Zoe and I don't remember, I think I don't remember his name, but the the. Uh, other black male actor intern and then Emma like it was the same thing you know as Zenday and Nicole and Sasha so again just nothing new same old thing just new faces new people whatever so I just want more so I don't know if they deserved it or not thinking as a whole but if you just want to go all based off that storyline then maybe sure whatever directing I'm always a GH girl I'm always gonna feel in root for GH for the most part but in terms of that directing award for what they submitted that episode with the whole like Christmas Carol like thing, I don't think it deserved it. It was a cute episode, you know, just a cute little Christmas special moment. But that was not the best episode of the entire year. That's not representative of the show. And I just don't think it should have been submitted, let alone win the award for, you know, best directing or whatever. It was cute, but just just no. I'm so happy that Young and the Restless won for Outstanding Drama Series and that the episode submitted was, you know, honoring Christoph St. John. He was a favorite of mine. I'm still so hurt at his passing, but I hope that he's finding peace. I hope he's somewhere with Julian happy and finally at peace, finally okay. And I think the Young and the Restless did a beautiful job honoring him. I think he would have been proud I think everyone did a brilliant job at executing and expressing their emotions. It was a powerful episode. And I mean, from every clip, from Crystal's clip, from Brighton's clip, to just the moments they showed in between when they were honoring Kristoff for a brief moment on a break, to the clips that we saw, you know, that they submitted for Outstanding Drama Series, I felt it all over again. I felt the sadness, the emotion, the pain, all of that moment from mourning Kristoff St. John. So I'm totally happy that they won. So just speaking to how I feel about the Emmys overall, I actually thought it was great. I didn't mind the virtual nature of it. I thought it would be kind of crappy, but it was actually great. I liked it. It went smoothly. I wasn't bored. Like it captured my attention. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if that's the route they went in the future. And I just hope that it's on TV in the future. I hope the ratings were enough to do that. And even if this is the way they approach it in the future, just to have it on TV, I'll be fine with that. I had no issues, actually. I loved it. It was more personal, more intimate. So again, yeah, all for it. So now I want to wrap up the show by talking about what I hope to see from shows when they return. So again, I don't watch Days of Our Lives, so I can't speak to that. But I'm going to start with Bold and Beautiful because I would like to, again, like I said, return to the show. So what I want to see, new storylines, something new, something fresh. And I know for shows I've been on for such a long time, I know for shows that run five days a week, that's hard. But you can do it. I promise you can do it. Even if this is a like once and we got to wait for like another two years or three years for a new, totally new storyline. I'm fine with that. Just give us something new. I want to see new faces and I don't mean just for a little bit you know I want to see them actually stick around I want to see new faces I want to see new families maybe two new families and they cannot be tied to the Logans or the Foresters I would preferably like to see minority I'd like to see a new black family since they pretty much decimated the Avant and they're barely there and we barely see Carter or a Hispanic family or you know Latinx family or an Asian family I want to see those things 
I want to see Steffi get a new man, one that loves her and only her, that has no eyes for anyone, that's like Hope who and never cares about Hope. I want her to find love and peace and joy. And I also want a completely new storyline for her at the time. I don't want her a dollar bill anymore. I don't want any more cheating sessions. I don't any want, want any more health crisis. I want something new and fresh for her and she deserves it. So that's what I want to see from Bold and Beautiful. From Young and the Restless, I want to see a Millie, which is the squish name for Amanda and Billy. I want to see them. I want to see them get together. I want to see them find their way back to each other and try as a couple. I mean, I get the people who are against it and want better for Amanda. I get it. I get that Billy Boy, as Victor would call him, is a hot mess. But I feel like they have such chemistry and connection. And maybe we can find Billy, you know, keep the same essential qualities and not switch too much but find more balance and betterness about himself like there's a way to write it to make it mix well and so I want to see them together I don't want to see him first with Lily and then back to Amanda I don't want to see a love triangle over tired done just give me Amanda and Billy please and while I love Brittany and Brighton both you know as actors both I especially love Brittany you know when she was Valerie on GH and that's I was so happy to see her finding her way on Young and the Restless um, and I love them as a couple, beautiful black love. But I want them separated on the show. I want to see Elena and Nate. I don't know who I want to see Devon with. Um, but I want to see Elena with Nate. I feel like that's when she really sparkles in terms of the character. I want to see Victor and Adam to finally come together. And I want that to be for more than five seconds, more than two days, more than a week. I want them to finally squash this beef. It's old, it's tired, it's more refreshing to see them actually be a family. I want to see Nick and Phyllis apart. I want to see them alone. I want to see them grow as characters. I want them to grow beyond being self-centered, sex-centered beings. I want more storyline for Jack and Tracy. I love the Abbots. I want them to do more. I feel like Jack has been so backburnered, you know? GH. So I want to see more story with Cyrus and I want him to see I want him to be a very, very like valid formidable foe against Sonny I want this to be a really hard tough battle that you say I don't know this might be it for Sonny even though you know he's the main character I want it to be written so well so intense that it actually makes you question it um, I want to see Cam and Trina getting together I want Trina to finally be revealed as Curtis's child and see that fallout I want to see the truth about Sasha and Chase and their plan out there I want to see more cordial family moments between Lulu and Valentine for Charlotte's sake. I love the moment where they pulled together and they hugged her together. I want to see more Ryan Chamberlain. I feel like that gives John Lindstrom more material, more dynamic things to do. And I like him. Of course, you have to take him in doses before it becomes too cartoony or too much. But I still want to see more. I want to see Nick and Ava finally get together. Um, but if they swap partners, I'll be fine with that because I'm also not an Elizabeth and Franco fan and there's nothing you could do to change that. I want to see Peter be exposed. I'm so sick of him getting away with everything. I'm just, ugh. I want to see Anna and Maxie apologize to everyone with full egg all over their face for like three weeks. <laughs> and I want Peter to exit the canvas. There's no need for his character. He doesn't do anything for me and I don't think he does much for anyone. He can go. Boy, bye. <laughs> Um, Nell can stay 
and I'm, I'm surprised I'm saying that, but she needs to be humbled and she needs to be toned down. She can still keep her edge, but right now she's just so despicable and it's so hard to root for her. Jax can go back to Australia, boo. And I used to be a Jax fan, but I'm no longer fond of Ingo due to social media comments and a personal exchange that we have via Instagram DMs. And I'm not going to go into all of that. But yeah, he can go absolutely any minute now and I'm happy for it. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode and I will be doing more in the future. So just stay tuned. Um, Yeah, so thank y'all so much. I hope you have a lovely Sunday and I hope your week is beautiful. Bye, y'all. Three more clips left. I hope you guys enjoy it and be sure to share this with your friends. Tweet it out on Twitter. I want more people to listen to the show. And you never know, more people listen. I might just do a spinoff and give it its own new show, all on its own, just GH, just Young and the Restless, just so talk all the time. So, get people to tune in. Alright, now, here are the rest. Hey everyone, welcome back to another bonus episode of The Balanced Life with Kaylee. I want to again thank you for tuning in, it means so much to me. I want to do something a little bit special for you guys this episode, so I'm going to include just a tad bit of Bold and the Beautiful, that's right, I started back watching this week. But, I do have to ask that you all send me a little bit more grace. I just started a new job, so I'm a bit behind on all three, GH, YNR, and Bold and the Beautiful. But I still just want to take this time to just talk with y'all about what I've seen so far, and just give my perspective on things. And again, always feel free to tweet me on Twitter. Twitter name is at The Balanced Life, and I would love to have a discussion about any of the shows that you watch. So, last week I started with Young and the Restless. So this week I'm going to be fair and I'm going to flip it and start with General Hospital. And then we'll shift into Young and the Restless and Bald and the Beautiful. Alright, so let's start out with GH. So Valentine in Brooklyn. So from what I've seen, they are now partners in crime. She's keeping hush-hush about his plan to take over EOQ in exchange for his help making her a superstar. So he's going to help her with her music. And I recently saw that he now has her as what the voice of deception. You know, I'm not I'm not hating on the duo. I kind of like Valentina and Brooklyn working together. But Brooklyn is just so, like, nothing has been endearing about her since she first appeared on Canvas again. Like, I have not seen her purpose or her reason. And I just feel it's really wrong for her to turn her back on the Quartermains. Like, of course, the Quartermains fight. They're shicey. That's the Quartermain way. But just to totally turn your back on your family and not tell them about Valentine trying to take over just, to, you know, for yourself, your own selfish needs to elevate musically. Like, that's just not good to me. And it's just so hypocritical because here she is taking up from Michael, right, with, um, what's her name, Sasha, and punching Sasha in the face. You're talking about, oh, how you did my cousin, this, that, and the third. But you don't care about the company that, you know, your grandparents built, you know? So it's just hypocritical, and I'm just not a fan of Brooklyn. I'm really not, and I'm trying to be, but no, I'm just not. But the alliance between them two, I'm kind of excited about that and to see where it goes. But another thing I'm kind of excited about in relation to Valentine, so let me tell you, at first I hated Valentine, and I think there's like a slightly biased reason why I'm now, I'm now on Valentine's side, but we're not going to talk about that. But I'm totally on his side right now. And, you know, I'm kind of wondering if something will happen between him and Sasha. Like, they're being thrown together with this deception thing. Like, and of course, y'all know I'm behind, so something has happened. I mean, here go my spidey senses, you know, telepathic, clairvoyant. But if there hasn't, like, nothing's already happened between them, I feel like it might. Just them being thrown together with him being the not-so-silent business partner in deception 
and just he keep checking on her like in the midst of her breakup with Michael like I just sense some kind of connection a little bit of chemistry and I might be alone but I would actually kind of like to see Valentine and Sasha go there and just think about the soapy drama that would create if Nina found out about Valentine and Sasha being together just when her heart is like thawing towards both of them it would be good soapy drama you know so yeah let's talk about Sunny and the Mike decision so of course you know Mike is deteriorating horribly and then he saw that Yvonne was in the hospital and on ventilators because of the things went wrong complications from the feeding tube and just in the end Sunny was struggling so much with the decision about what to do with Mike and he had this dream that Mike was better and he thought he was doing the right thing it, this is such a complex decision just on the show but just also it's a real life thing it's such a complex decision and I just want to say that Maurice Bernard is hitting it out of the park in this and so is Max Gale I mean they are phenomenal with this storyline and that's it's like I don't want to keep seeing Mike suffer and so of course like I'm ready for it to end in that sense but in terms of what the actors are bringing and this great storyline because right now it's what has been glued to GH you know, it's been very well told, very well acted, like I've said a thousand times, but it also highlights real things, and it's like, I'm going to look at Sonny's perspective for a minute, so I get it, like, you're, this is your father, you don't want to give up on him, and you know, there's always, like, we see miracles happen every day, and you just don't want to give up just in case that one thing can happen, or you feel like you gave up too soon, you know, there's always that thing, so just for me, I'm going to share a personal story with you all, so my beloved dog, his name is Prince, and I had him since I was nine years old. Recently, he became sick, and I was advised to put him down, and it was just a hard decision. And you know, dogs, why I love them so much, they're very sensible creatures, they're very in tune, and they're very loving. My dog saw my tears, he saw me breaking down and literally collapsing to the floor at the thought of losing him, and he fought. And he and he fought for a while, and he got better. I mean, just turned around sometimes was faster and better in different ways than he, you know, was before. But eventually, his illness, he had kidney failure, caught up with him, and the decision came. My baby, just like Mike, my baby, he stopped eating. And I had, I mean, they told me when they stopped eating, like, that's, that's the time. Um, and there were other things that were happening, but I was watching my baby not eat right before me, and I had to make that call, and it was agonizing, because I'm just like, well, my dog's gotten better, like, just saw how Sunny saw glimmers of Mike getting better, you know, and I was like, my dog's done it twice, he's gotten better, like, maybe he can do it again, maybe I'm just giving up too soon, but he was tired, just like Mike is tired, and they fought, and it just really is at a point where they were so surprised that he's alive. I mean, eating even beforehand when I first, like, just in the midst of it all. And they fight, but they hold on for the love, the love of you. And I believe Elizabeth was right when she said that, you know, Elizabeth said that Mike was holding on for Sonny and the love and the family. And I think my baby, he fought so hard to come back for how he did for us, for me, his love for me and the family. But ultimately, like, his body was tired and he couldn't fight anymore. He had the toughest spirit, but ultimately... It was time, and I made that decision, and it breaks my heart, and you can probably tell the change in my voice and my perspective right now, but I've been in Sunny's shoes, of course, it's related to a dog, but dogs are family too, but it's very difficult, and it's that selfish part of you, you don't want to lose them, you want that life with them, but again, they're just existing, my baby was just laying there, he wasn't fully cognizant, he hadn't eaten for a few days about the time I made the decision, and 
it was the right thing. It hurts. It's painful. It's not something I've healed from. The way that he deteriorated, that's not something I've healed from. But ultimately, you have to think of the other person. And that's what Sonny did. He had to put aside how he felt in his emotions and make that choice. Like, you, you know, you have to decide to let them go. But one thing that I've learned is that you might let them go in this physical realm, but they do exist and they're still tied to you spiritually. My baby is still in my heart. And I don't know how spiritual everyone is, but I know that he's visited me um, since his passing. But, yeah, so, I mean, I just really love this storyline because it's just so relatable. And, I mean, it's a hard decision to make, you know, letting go of a loved one, especially, like, you know, especially, like, a parent. That's just such a hard thing to do. How do you decide to end the life of the person that gave you life, you know? But, I mean, again, this is where the power of soap operas the power of storytelling comes into play and it's just you know amazing but we also see other storylines and decisions like it gh hit us so much over the head that something was going to happen to jason like i mean just the decision of the power attorney him giving that to carly and i'll get to that in a minute and just you know just the hitting over the head about how he would feel or Carly saying, but nothing's going to happen to you. Like, you know, just how soap operas do, you know, like the red flags or whatever, the red hairs you want to call them. Or no, those are when it's fake. But, you know, like just like the boom, the, the foreshadowing, you know. So I just want to speak on that really quick. So I'm just now seeing the part where he assigns the power of attorney to Carly and Sam's okay with it because she doesn't want that agonizing decision to be made. And it's like, yeah, I think Jason spared her for that reason. But I also think it's the same thing, you know, that Christina said in that fight. Carly and Sonny are always going to come first. And I think that also factored into Jason's decision to give Carly the power of attorney. That's his best friend, his ride or die, you know, more so than Sam. And I think that's why she got so mad at Christina because Christina hit. She touched a nerve because she knows, right, that Carly's going to come first. And again, like I said, I think that plays a part. But I also, I get, like, you know, Sam also accepting it because who would want to do that to live their life? You know, again, these agonizing decisions that are very real. Let me talk really briefly about Sam's replacement. No actor bashing, anything like that. But I miss Kelly Monaco. Um, something special about her. And I do miss her in the role with the temporary recast. Um, no shade. The actress is doing a great job, though. And I will say that while I miss Kelly Monaco and, you know, Lindsay Hartley is not the same, she's doing a really good job. She's bringing more life to it and just being really animated and just bringing kind of that freshness so i do appreciate that element but let me talk really quickly about jason like the whole accident setup scene like of course it's not going to be super realistic you're not going to see like jason's skin torn off or things like that that happen in real motorcycle accidents but the fact that the the motorcycle was just like gently placed against the guardrail that was only like two feet long of a guardrail <laughs> i know i'm being like exaggerating here but you know it's a very short guardrail you saw like grass everywhere else and it was just gently placed and jason was just laying there which is like a little black mark across his face but just so posed up like it should have been more realistic and i think that's why sometimes people don't take soap seriously because of things like this you know like it could have been more realistic at least Jason could have like crunched over or something in bushes and maybe like his shirt torn in an area and a part of his like pants like you know ripped at the bottom like just a little bit of more you know realism here I know we have to dis suspend disbelief in soaps but come on that could have been staged a lot better especially for him to be unconscious and for his power of attorney and making it this big thing and this big storyline you know so I just feel like they could have done better with that but I get it you know, I'm not sure if this was like a scene that was filmed pre-COVID because, I mean, Curtis did touch Jason. So, 
you know, it might have been pre-COVID, which would actually make it a little bit worse because you could have had more of the resources and the time to develop and flesh out this scene a little bit more. So that's just a critique I have. And again, all my critiques come from love. I love this soap opera. I've watched it since I was a little girl in elementary school, and now I am in my late 20s. So it comes from a place of love and just wanting it to be the best that it can be. In terms of Michael and Willow, um, so right now I'm seeing them, you know, the custody battle um, going on, and I think the decision is about to be made. But I just want to say, I like in the beginning, I actually wanted Michael, Michael and Willow together. I did. I thought they had great chemistry. But then when Chase came along, it shifted for me. Like I think they're called Chillo. That's their switch name. I do prefer Chase and Willow. There's a real love story there. I think the actor and actress they shine together, and I'm just ready for them to be back together. You know, it's just, I mean, if you wanted to go the Michael Willow route, you should have did that at the beginning where they were bonding over loss of children. Not now, not after we've seen Chase and Willow. And I love the actor who plays Chase, so there's my little tidbit on that. Let's talk about Cyrus Renault really quick. I like Cyrus because he's just planning these people's faces. Like, he's just popping up everywhere, getting in people's faces, and just goading them. And you need, like, that real soap villain, that real soap villain that just doesn't care. And Cyrus Renault, he just doesn't care, and I love it. I love it, and I think he's a formidable foe for Sonny and Jason, and I think that's also something we need. We need to feel like maybe this time they'll lose, you know? Like, just a quick aside to, like, Young and the Restless, like, you know, it's always, like, you know, Victor's going to win over Jack. Like, I want, and like I mentioned earlier with knowing how Nina's testimony was going to go with GH, they did it brilliantly because you didn't know whose side she was going to be on, and then you saw whose side she was on ultimately. I want that. I want, sometimes it gets a little stale with soaps. I want to not know the way it's headed, you know? So I would love to really question, is Sonny going to be down? We know he won't be down for long, but will he be down for a good bit this time? You know, something of that nature. So I'm a fan of it. Um, Ned and Olivia, I mean, just, you know, she mentioned she felt neglected. And really when I think about it, I mean, power has been their main story when they've been more on the focus of the show. I mean, from the election and him being mayor and now trying to take over EOQ. I mean, I can see the whole neglection standpoint and Ned being, you know, power hungry and neglecting his wife. I mean, I find them a cute couple. So, you know, there's that. So that wraps up my thoughts on GH. And now I'm going to turn over to Young and the Restless. So what I've seen from Young and the Restless, I actually don't have many notes, and I think, again, that speaks to what I was saying, that Young and the Restless is a little bit stale right now, and I mean, again, I'm behind, so, you know, I'm sipping on, like, stale soap tea, but, you know, um, Elena and Nate, they have a lot of scenes together, and, again, like I said, like, I love Brittany and Brighton, and I love their real-life love, I love the black love between them, I love their relationship, and I think they're cute on screen together. But I feel if Nate's going to spark with anybody, I feel the spark is with Elena. I mean, I'm not really sold again on Nate being a love interest for anybody. But if he is, there's more sparks with Elena. And again, you could get good soapy drama with that. I think before Michelle Morgan um, originally left and she was still Hillary, I think they were going to go that soapy route. She was getting back with Devon, but she kept clashing with Nate. Remember when she would show up when he was staying in Nil, you know, rest in peace, Christoph St. John, we miss you, um, when he was staying in Nil's penthouse across from Devon and Hillary's place. You know, there was that kind of hinting at chemistry, you know, when it was the old Nate in the role. And I thought it would be kind of good to bring that back that you were going to play on before. So, again, I kind of feel more of Elena and Nate. I want to see them delve more into um, Amanda's past. Like, she was sitting with Devon, and they were discussing their history, you know, growing up in foster homes and the struggle that they face and why they're so happy for New Hope. I think that's the name of the clinic and just the work that they're doing. I just really want them to flesh out Amanda's past. And Michelle Morgan in her Instagram Live with... Um, with Brighton said that she was worried that 
Amanda LaCroix come across as boring and just kind of one note because she's so different from Hillary, and she is. And I'm fine with her not being Hillary, even though I was such a Hillary fan, stan, whatever you want to call it. I'm fine with her not being Hillary. I'm fine with her being Amanda Sinclair. But just give her a little bit more oomph, a little bit more to do. I feel like she's going to get boring if she stays with Nate. She needs that fire and that spunk, that, that spark that she has with Billy. So I'm team with Millie all the way, and I think I'm going to say that every single episode. But it's true. But I also, one thing I want on soap operas is people to stand apart and alone from their relationships. I want them to have a storyline and, you know, depth of their own. So I want to delve more into Amanda's storyline. Give Michelle Morgan, the beautiful, talented actress, more to do. Give her that meat. So let's talk about Adam running, like, the meat storyline. Let's talk about Adam running to Sharon. Like, just that bond that they have. It's interesting because I'm a Nick and Sharon fan. But I can still acknowledge that Adam and Sharon, they've had such a great, like, no, let me say great history. Let me scratch that, scratch that. But just great chemistry. And I think Chelsea, you know, she has that jealousy still. But for me, I do feel like Chelsea is a love of Adam's life. But it was interesting that he just went running to Sharon. But it makes sense. You know, their history and the therapy and things of that nature. And while I say that Chelsea is a love of Adam, like, yeah, Chelsea is a love of Adam's life. And I want to say that Adam is a love of Chelsea's life. But I really hate, and I'm still going to stand by that, I hate how they had Chelsea acting towards Adam when she first arrived back on the scene, how she was just so up Nick's behind and so obsessed with Nick and just was treating Adam like dirt. Like, I didn't like that for me. And it kind of tarnished Chatham a little bit for me. I think that's a squish name. So, I mean, it's just different this time around. Usually I adore Adam and Chelsea, but, you know, it's just different from the way she acted. It just really ruined it for me. Like, I'm glad they're together, but it's just not the same, you know. Sometimes you do a little bit too much angst. And you do a little bit too much to create meaty storyline, and you just kind of ruin things. So I think there's just something like a, a line that soap operas have to find that delicate balance with. And hey, I'm the balance life with Kaylee. Tell them to like hit me up for tips on writing. I know all about balance. I'm a Libra. It's the name of my show. <laughs> so anyways, yeah. Speaking of Nick, though, while I love Nick and Sharon, Nick on his own gets on my nerves. I'm so tired of his caveman mentality and beating his chest and demanding and telling people what they should do when his own life isn't together. And to call it a Cardi B song, like, so the people who talk the most stuff are the people whose stuff is not together, meaning those who have so much to say are the ones who do not have their lives together. And I find that so true. I mean, not just in soap opera land, but just in real life. Um, I'm interested to see where this Victoria and Jack plan went. From where I've seen so far, I don't know what the plan is or what her proposal was to Jack, but I'm excited to see it, and then when I do, I'm excited to bring it and discuss it on the show. Lastly, I want to comment on Tessa and Mariah. Honestly, it's like I was rooting for them when they first got together, even though she was dating Noah. I was still rooting for Tessa and Mariah, but just after all of the scheming and lying that Tessa did and then the cheating, that Mariah did, they're just kind of ruined for me. They were never really given a fair chance to be a healthy, viable couple for me. Like, again, they had chemistry, and I loved them in the beginning, but, I mean, it's just too much to me. So now when I see them, it's like their interaction, their love, it comes across as fake, and I'm just, I'm just not feeling it, you know? All right, so now I'm going to shift to Bolt and the Beautiful. So upon my return, again, I haven't watched Bolt and the Beautiful since Steffi was pregnant with Baby Kelly. I think that's her name. So, you know, it's been like at least a year or two, if not more, since I've watched. So, I come back to see Bridget is divorced from Brooke and is married to Shauna. And I have been keeping tabs on my soap form, so I know a little bit what's going on. So, let me speak to that. You know, I really used to love Brooke and Ridge and saw them as Destiny. <laughs> yeah, I know, the whole Destiny thing, right? But now, 
I actually just want to see them apart. I want to see Brooke alone. Brooke is, like, people, someone on Facebook called, like, if you know about the Will Smith, Jada Pickett, August Alcina drama, and the whole, like, new coin of the term entanglement, they call, like, if you don't know about that drama, look into it, but they call Brooke the original entangler and the queen of entanglements, and it's so true. Um, I mean, she just dated everybody in the family, out of the family, just, yeah, queen of messy relationships. I want to see Brooke just stand on her own as a woman and just I want to see the transformation of Brooke she's always I like I saw like a clip promo of her in lingerie again and it's like I want to see Brooke as a woman as a maturing woman learning to stand on her own two feet I want to see her character fleshed out more beyond the slip from the valley beyond the lingerie wearing you know Brooke chasing Ridge destiny thing I just want to see her solo just like I said for Nick like those are both two sex crazed characters I just want to see them aside from that. I want to see individuality, personal development, growth, that type of thing. So I want them apart. I mean, before all the scheming and plotting, I was kind of like wanting to see Ridge and like Shauna together. But honestly, my heart still desires seeing Ridge with Quinn. And I'm not giving up. Like, I think they have the most chemistry. And I've been rooting for Quiz. It would be Quidge, the Squish name, since they started. I really want to see Rachel quit. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, Eric will be used to it. Ridge took book from him. He'll be fine. <laughs> like, I just want to see Rachel quit. And that's where the real fire is at. That can be a great storyline. Yeah. So, just something that I'm gathering. I guess something happened with Steffi. Maybe an accident and she's in pain. And here comes Thomas about to introduce her into healthy habits. Like, yeah, if you're in pain, you should take medicine. But when advice is coming from Thomas, that means it's going to lead in the wrong direction. Um, but I did want to tune back in to Bold and Beautiful because Steffi's my girl. I'm team Steffi all the way. I used to be a Hope fan when Steffi was, like, initially messing with her. Like, when the whole Logan thing, I think she took out the P and the E um, during the fashion show. So, it said whole Logan on the screen. I wasn't a Steffi fan then, but later on, I grew to love her. But, yeah, she's my girl. And I'm excited to see that they hired someone to be her new love interest. And I'm excited to see the new Zenday and where that goes from here. So... Yeah, Bold and Beautiful has my attention for now. Hopefully, they can keep it, and I won't have to tune out for another two years. Anyway, I really hope you all have enjoyed this Sunday soap talk with me. I love you all. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode, and I promise there will be more to come. I hope you all enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening, or if you're listening to this another day, whatever evening it is for you. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you are doing well. I hope you are staying safe. Keep tuning in, and bye. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another bonus episode of The Balanced Life with Kaylee. So today, we're going to talk exclusively about Young and the Restless. I'm like 98% caught up. I didn't watch the last two episodes from Thursday and Friday, but I just want to jump in the conversation with my Y&R fam so bad, so I'm going to go ahead and jump in. So I'm just going to kick things off with talking about Lola and Theo. You know, in terms of Lola, I feel like she gets a bad rep. Like, I visit a lot of the boards, and I read the comments on Twitter, and I feel like people show no empathy towards her character. But anyway, she is upset about Theo not making time for her and not texting her. Listen, Lola was a virgin until Kyle. And listen, virginity is a social construct. But at the same time, your first time is still a big deal. And your first time with someone else can even be an even bigger deal, at least to me. So... Lola, yeah, she can totally be dramatic. Like, Purse Gate, I'll never forget that. And it did lower, like, her character in my eyes a little bit. But in this instance, I get why she's sensitive. Communication is key to any relationship, whether that's with family, friends, or boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, partner, whatever. 
and it doesn't take long to just say hey I'm busy it doesn't and I get it you know Theo he's been at her restaurant like 24 7 then they had sex and then he just became distant and remember y'all I'm like gonna recap stuff from like the last two and a half three weeks so keep that in mind but yeah so like I get it like he's been distant so I get why that would bother her and why they changed you know she found it concerning and then it's like wow like Chelsea comes up to you you can make time for her but not me and I get it was a business thing but still it's like you know just how to switch up all of a sudden his time is available and then also that whole thing with flirting is just the way that he operates whether it's business deals or just in conversation that's not cute and that's not boyfriend material anyway so that's another red flag about Theo that I would have pointed out and be concerned about if I was Lola so anyway Lola like her world was rocked you know with Kyle like he did a total 180 and like she said, she couldn't pinpoint exactly where they went wrong, you know? And I understand how that can make her nervous and impact her thinking about Theo. Like, you just got out of a marriage that you thought was rock solid, suddenly just all fell apart. Like, come on, guys. But you know what I will say? I honestly like to see them make Lola be bisexual. Like, get rid of Tessa and pair Lola with Mariah. Like, I think they have chemistry and just that concern and connection is already there between them, you know? So it's not like it's just coming out of absolutely nowhere. So, I mean, I have to say this, like, I don't like her with Theo, like, Lola and Theo, I don't like them together, and honestly, I kind of prefer Theo with, sorry, Theo with Summer, and that's being said, when I'm not even a fan of the character of Theo, so, but, you know, I just really felt bad, like, that Lola <laughs> witnessed the proposal, and I want to speak on Kyle really quick, and I'm just so mad, like, I think a lot of the writing and stuff, it's just changed, like, you know, Persgate changed how people felt about Lola, and just Kyle's 180 and just wanting to be with Summer again, like, it just so ruined the character for me. Like, Kyle was one of my favorites, but now I just pretty much fast forward, you know, if he's interacting with Lola, I'll watch, or, you know, if he's interacting with someone other than Summer or Nick or Phyllis, I'll watch. I might watch him speak with his dad, you know, Jack, but that's about it at this point. Well, one thing that Kyle said that really irked me, he was like, it's finally our time, sir, sir. Your time could have been prior to chasing Lola. Your time could have been prior to dumping and divorcing Summer right after she donated her liver. You blocked it. And you know what I'm saying? But you're talking about our time. There were no obstacles thrown in your way that you didn't create. You forced the reality. You forced all of that. Lola was minding her business. Summer was right there. You did all the most to get with Lola and then just flipped. And that's why I feel bad for her. Like, Lola did nothing. You know, he came to her. She did not send for him. She did not approach him. She was minding her business. She didn't even want to open up to him. He came to her. He begged for all of that. And now she's left with nothing. And they, meaning Summer and Kyle, just seem to have everything, you know? Like, a restaurant is cute. She has her business. But a career can't replace love, period. And, you know, probably would say she let go of Theo too easily, but I don't know. Thinking about Lola, she's young, she's impulsive, and she's reactionary. The Kyle situation, it did a number on her, and, you know, again, understandably so. First loves, they can rock you. And I've just been battling in my head with this idea of first loves and then ideas of great loves, and I just think you'll find so many people in life that'll just really have a profound impact on you, and that can just really shape your view, your mindset, and whatever. But I think we can all agree that first loves, they definitely rock you, and they definitely, you know, have an impact on you for a certain period of time and she's still young so it definitely will you know and I also want to say Theo didn't really fight hard at all like he hit her with that good luck and saying you know I really did 
like I used to care about you or like I really did care about you like you know that past tense phrasing and then the fact that he says serious relationships aren't really my thing okay so then why are you here you know Lola so why are you here if you're not going to be trying to you know establish something serious you know and then he talks about how she has high standards yeah he's right about that she does have high standards sometimes she can be a little bit extra but having high standards are good and then the fact that Theo was being so petty and sent Summer to go see, you know, Lola and Kyle talking, that just shows his spirit. And it's not a good reflection of his spirit, just like Summer said. And I hate to agree with Summer here, but it's right. If you're that miserable and you just want to make other people miserable and get revenge and stuff, you're not someone that anyone should be with. You're not even someone that you should be with. You should work on your spirit and fix that. So, you know, I'm glad Lola has standards and she dipped out before she got even deeper with him. So anyway, shifting gears a little bit. So let's talk about Elena. So her insecurity, I get it. I do. Like Hillary is the love of Devon's life. I mean, he. I mean, but then again, you can also say like Devon really didn't care. I was gonna say like you know like Neil was blind when he really first started getting into high gear with Hillary. But I mean, he did cheat with one of those girlfriends before that. I think her name was Tyra. So you know, but period. You can just say for real though that Hillary is the love of Devon's life. And he will always love her. And now a piece of her is in this world, close by, with a shared background, them being foster kids, something to cling to. But, you know, the thing for me is when we were first introduced to Elena, she was stoic. She was tending to her uncle. She seemed fierce, strong, everything together. I don't want her insecure and weakened. And I feel like they do that so much more, or like a lot in soap operas, period. You know, and that goes across the board for all of them. And even on primetime sometimes, too. But yeah, I don't want that. There's another way to give her a storyline and to show off her range and talent. Explore her backstory more. Like, I think we have like a couple episodes about it where she briefly touched on it. But I don't even remember much of it. So yeah, explore her backstory more. Give her a layered, good medical story. Women are more than their love lives. And I love Brittany. I have since she was on GH's Valerie. So I want her to shine. So yeah, just again, just speaking on all the things I've catched up on in like the last two and a half weeks. I have been so tired when I've been catching up of hearing Adam whine. It's just odd. Like, he's just done so much dirt. So it's like, why are you spiraling like this? Like, it was already clear that you weren't a good person, that your character wasn't sparkly clean from tormenting Ashley and causing her to miscarry, given, you know, Sharon's daughter Faith to uh, Ashley after the miscarriage and making Sharon think her child died, using Ray's sexuality to manipulate him, letting Sharon go to jail over Sky and tampering with Victor's meds, which could have caused death. Like, it doesn't make sense that he's spiraling and just confused about his character and what he's capable of. Like, it doesn't make sense. And so the storyline, again, to me, feels a little bit dramatic and unnecessary. And I just I haven't found myself interested at all this whole time in the Montalvo story, including Alyssa either. And I get it. You want to give actors a time to shine. And you want to give them an opportunity for an Emmy reel. But for me, the storyline just falls on deaf ears. Also, I hated seeing Sharon get so wrapped up in Adam again. I want strong women. I want women choosing themselves, choosing something healthy for once. And yeah, it may not make good television. It could be seen boring, but it's needed images and representation. And I also want to say, I was getting so tired of hearing Chelsea groveling and chasing Adam. But then I remember she paid him dust upon his return, you know, initially. So I was like, eh, it's even. And you know, Chelsea, she wore like this red, pink, like wrap dress. And it reminds me so much of a shirt that I bought from Target, like from the shoulders to the pattern. If this was like a Project Runway episode or like, you know, 
one of the um, contestants collection the judges would say that the episode or not the episode rather they would say like the outfits is very cohesive with a clear and solid vision like the pieces that match so well like just thinking about the shirt I have and the outfit it's just interesting that like something from Target reminded me of Chelsea's um you know outfit she's supposed to be this like fashion designer Chelsea 2.0 all of this so I don't know just thought I'd throw that out there (laughs) but anyway um one thing I did want to say so Connor just quietly going away to boarding school it just doesn't match up with like what we saw for like what four or five months you know like how much Connor wanted his parents together how he like wanted nothing more than that was stopping nothing to get that to happen and for them to all spend time together. And then that was Adam's main pitch, too, when he was trying to get back with Chelsea. But now the family is distanced, and they're just basically treating it so casually, like it's nothing. And I just want to say, Chelsea was so stupid for letting Billy know that they weren't onto him, like, calling him about the story. And then he's like, how do you know that? She said, don't worry about that. Like, that was just so stupid. Like, you're letting him know that you know what he's doing. So obviously this man knows you were in the office, you were fuddling around with stuff. He's going to look for a bug, like... You're not being smart for a con right now. But I get it. It's a show. And so I have to remind myself of that, <laughs> you know, because she was all surprised and shocked that the signal was lost and, the, like, the bug was found. Like, but again, got to remind myself, it's a show. It's a soap opera. Got to suspend, you know, belief for a little bit. But, yeah, one thing I would like to see, just in reference to Adam, I would just love to see, and I'm just going to always say it, for Adam and Abby to just get close and bond and form an alliance. They're always on one out, and it will also just be something new, refreshing, and just good to see. So speaking of Sharon, you know, I would actually like to see her as a therapist, you know, like in an ethical fashion. Like, I know with COVID extras, they have to be reduced. But you know what? There's plenty of people in general City she can see. Lola's going through it. She needs a therapist. Victoria needed to work through her daddy issues and her insecurity and issues with Adam. Kyle needed to figure out, you know, why he hounded and chased Lola and shattered Summer's heart, you know, originally when they were married post-surgery, just to go back to wanting her. Like, he needs it. Many people in Juicy can come to see her. And I want a meaty story for Sharon. Like I said, she's one of my favorite characters. But I, and I mean... I want this cancer storyline over, I think, at this point. And it's crazy because it's kind of like a 180 from what I might have said before. And so I'll have to concede and agree with others. But sometimes you just don't want to see those stories on screen and you just kind of want to escape life. So it's just hard for so many in different ways. And, you know, I want to speak on Sharon again in terms of her relationship with Ray. So on the boards I visited, I saw that everybody was mad at Ray for how he interacted with Sharon. And like I said, I love the character of Sharon. But let me say this, being ill whether it's physically, you know, or mental health issues, it doesn't excuse actions or consequences, you know? Like, especially with sharing people on the board, like, she is battling cancer, this, that, and the third, so he should, what, let her walk all over him, treat him, again, like he said, with his needs and feelings and thoughts don't matter? No, you don't get free reign and to be excused from all actions and consequences, you know, because of that. You know, she's not too fragile to chase after Adam, you know, and so she's not too fragile, you know, to support and understand Ray's valid feelings and to actually, you know, like, care about him. Like, Ray is not my favorite person in the world, but it's clear that he cares deeply, you know, for Sharon, and he supports her infinitely. And she disregards his feelings so much, past and present. And it's just like he's always second best to her, in a way. And that's just kind of been his whole thing, both with Sharon and with Mia. 
So on jumping in, like I said, I'm catching up from like the last two and a half, three weeks. So jumping in with Amanda, I love that moment when she confirmed Hillary was her twin. Michelle and Brighton, a.k.a. Amanda and Devarm, they conveyed a lot of emotions just with their faces. It spoke for itself. Like, you know, it just spoke for itself. And the pain on Devon's face was so palpable. And he's in a tough spot. You know, it's got to be hard losing someone in such a hard way to heal from. You know, and I mean, just loss is hard for anybody. And yeah, it'll get better with time. And by that, I say the sting isn't as consistently present. But that wound is always there. And it can become fresh again. And then we have to relive it and poke at it more. Like, yeah, it's just hard. And that's what he's going through. And so I said it on Twitter, and I'll say it again, just in relation to that whole quad in terms of, you know, Nate, Amanda, Devon, and Elena. I want Nate to not be a romantic interest. I want him to just stand alone and thrive. Like, I want him to have a layered clinic and hospital storyline. Same like I said for you, Elena, and the same I said for Sharon. I want to see more of that. Like, let's see the career, too. Like, Again, like I said with, you know, Lola, you're more than your career. But for some of these characters, all they are are their love lives. So let's have that balance on the other side. So, yeah, I would just love to see it. I want to see Larry Clinic and Hospital stories for him. But if he's going to be a romantic interest, I really feel like he needs to be with Elena. Not that I want her and Devon to break up. The actor who plays Nate, though, he just comes alive around Elena. They have, like, good soap opera chemistry. And so, I hate that they're kind of at odds a little bit right now. But, you know, they need that friction, too. But just to aside, um, Brittany is doing a great job. I'm happy her character is getting to do more. To be happy and to smile. Like, I mean, on GH, or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm that she's being able to do more now than just be happy and smile. Um, on GH, I wanted more for her. You know, I wanted to see her and Christina date. I wanted her to be fleshed out. They brought her on so strong as a Spencer. Um, and so I just wanted more, but the actress didn't get that there. So I'm happy that, you know, she's more full-time and usually Young and the Restless. And I like that she's getting a storyline to do, again, more than just smile and be happy. So there is that. But in the end, though, um, I do get the rage. Like that Lena was experiencing and the anger and the frustration. Devon says one thing, then does another. And you keep coming home to a place where you're supposed to feel comfortable, safe, supported, assured, you know, at peace, and that keeps getting disrupted because you find out that he went behind your back for something, or you see someone, you know, there, Amanda, that's causing disruption and peace to your life and existence, so I get it, (laughs) you know, and then he'll just tell Elena in, like, a text message, which, yeah, is communication, but it's a cowardly way of communication, and like I said, or she just finds out about things through happenstance when she just walks in, you know, but Elena does need to realize, though, that you can't erase Hillary and that also Amanda isn't Hillary. You know, he loved Hillary, not Amanda. And yeah, I mean, you know, with Hillary, you can't erase her. They loved each other deeply. They shared a child, even though it didn't fully come out in the world. He can't ignore her and he can't ignore her sister unless, of course, you know, like it really does affect his mental health. And let me say, anything affecting, this is just outside of soap operas, anything that's deeply affecting your mental health, Resolve that. Get rid of that. Don't let it. Mental health is very important. Protect that. So, yeah, I mean, just like I was saying earlier, people just have many partners in life, many loves in life, and that's just something you've got to understand, you know? And then for Devon as a widow, is that what it's called? When, like, I know, like, for women, they're widows. Do men still have that title? I don't know. But anyway, he's a widow. You know, Hillary died. So it's just an even deeper thing, you know? His free will and his choice were robbed. 
so um things i just want to note so i noticed they had amanda and billy next to each other in the opening credits on one of the episodes and for some it made me nothing but for me i openly ship a millie so there's that so i like that moment when billy said to amanda let me be that person for you and don't ask me to stop caring for you loved it they are so built i like it and they also like it being rooted like some couples on this show are superficial or rooted in lust i don't have to say names y'all know who they are (laughs) so i like that amanda and billy they're starting from a friendship and that they have layers you know and they're there for each other when the other person needs them the most but i do want to say again just going back to mental health and thinking about devon and how he feels elena was right about setting boundaries and i think we all need to set boundaries in our life and doing what's best for you and your sake but the thing is here all i know is not really looking out for devon like maybe a part of her was like you know 25 to like 40 percent you know but the other like what 60 to 80 percent of her was looking out for herself if we're being honest um but uh, you know just drifting back to amanda and billy I love that she called him after talking with Nate. You know, she knows her real support system. And I mean, yes, because Nate's caught in the middle, but it's also because she knows her real support system. She knows where her spirit really lies and connects with. And that moment with Billy, like, you know, I'm all yours. And he's like, oh, wait, you know, I don't I don't mean it in that way. No, yes, you do. Yes, you do, sir. And it's okay. You know, definitely subconsciously meant it to be a romantic way. You're fully no one, sir. Definitely not me. Um... But I loved him being willing to reach out to others on her behalf. You know, acts of service. That's a love language. Sometimes, though, I do think Amanda is being too pushy. But I get it. The characters, they aren't Libras like me. But I know that once something piques my interest, I'm going to be obsessive, like, obsessive about getting to know more and wanting to work to figure it out. So I get that. Libras, we like chill. But like I said, um, I don't, yeah, they're born in July. Like, July 1st or whatever. So, yeah, they're definitely not Libras. They're like, what? cancer or be the one before that but yeah um so amanda that moment when she cried those happy tears over finding a sister and just realizing and not feeling alone anymore i felt that um i know what it's like to feel alone and to feel unconnected from people you know so i really connected with that moment and something else i just want to point out you know as we get closer to wrapping up this bonus episode and just tying it back to nate really quickly so i do peep that amanda noticed how protective nate is of elena again like you know a late they could definitely work just saying i don't know i'm torn with the quad but yeah so just speaking of a few last things so nick you know what guys i totally forgot about new hope like i mentioned on a previous bonus episode like what is nick doing now he's just flopping he's just floundering around has nothing going on but like you know being with Phyllis again and then like you know occasionally being a dad but I totally forgot about New Hope and I think it's because the show isn't really making it relevant like they'll have a couple of meetings him and Devon but it eventually goes into something else their conversation I mean like most of soap operas but they don't make New Hope relevant it's not something that we really actively see on screen like that and it just reminded me like the last time I was really excited about Nick like as a character was when he last turned against Victor and launched Dark Horse I don't know his character just seems there and just like in real life I want so much for other people in soap opera life I want so much for other characters and people too so anyways 
that wraps up this special edition episode for Young and the Restless. You can definitely look forward to another bonus episode in your future. And for those of you who watch GH as well, and just in general, I want GH people to know I got y'all next week. The next bonus episode that comes out, it'll be just for you. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Stay safe. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Love you all. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And up next is the very last episode that I chose to share again. I hope you've enjoyed this bonus episode. Um, I hope you're loving this best 2020. And again, I'm wishing you a happy new year. All right, here's the last one. Hey, everybody. It's your favorite podcaster, Kaylee. And I'm back with another bonus episode. Today, we are going to discuss Young and the Restless first and then General Hospital last. And I want to give y'all a huge thing. Guess what? I'm fully caught up on both. So I can fully explore every single thing and share my thoughts with y'all and just a fun fact if you want access to these episodes earlier you can always check out my website khocreates.com k is spelled k-a-e and you can check that out and on the balanced life with kaylee tab you'll see all the episodes just like that snap of a finger cool so jumping in with young and the restless so i want to discuss chatham and like I've said before, I love them when their love story first began. But right now, it's just so toxic. I think, you know, once he gets out, <laughs> after being admitted, he needs to just be alone and heal for like a super strong year. And, you know, I just feel like this flip is so sudden. Going back to Chatham itself, him begging and wanting Chelsea back. Like, Cher was all on your mind just a few weeks ago. And you were yelling in a public vicinity where everyone can hear about how much you love her and y'all being destined to be together. But now, after embarrassing Chelsea, he's begging again. Boy, bye. And you know, just thinking of begging and trying to get somebody back, I think Valentino GH, he begs better. And he's more in-depth with his quest, especially trying to win Nina back. But yeah, shifting back to Young and the Restless, Chelsea is just so vulnerable and susceptible. So we'll see what happens. And I just want to pause and remind everyone that the way I do these episodes um, for this, when I do it on a podcast, I go episode by episode. So some of this will be further back. And then by the end, we'll get to the most up-to-date episode. When I do my blog posts, and if you didn't know, I do do blog posts on General Hospital Young and the Restless, again, on my website. With that, I group it by character. So you'll get the most up-to-date in that way. But yeah, this one's this week, just podcast only. So yeah, um, so just shifting gears a little bit, there was a moment on screen where I actually felt Adam's pain. Mark Grossman just faced, um, his face just delivered in that moment, you know, and I felt like that was stellar, you know, subtle acting. And it's probably the only moment that I felt attachment to the Montavo storyline. Phyllis is so messy though, like shifting gears. She's so messy, but it's in a fun way when it relates to Amanda. And I really do like their friendship. Okay, and let's talk about Devon and Amanda's non-date, but kind of date-like night. So the glass they were drinking from, huge. And Devon was totally eyeing Amanda. Like I said, they still sparkle, you know, and I'll accept them if they go that route. And, you know, when I was thinking about it, I was like, actually, they should go that route for a bit because they need to make Billy work for our girl because he's paid her dust lately. And I do not like that. So shifting back to Phyllis, especially in regards to Faith and Nick, Phyllis should have told Nick from the jump, that's his child. 
I understand, you know, him being angry and dismissing her to talk to Faith in that regard. Again, I like Nick and Dad mode. It's more of a well-rounded version of him. And I like that he held Faith's feet to the fire. You know, she's given so many manipulative BS answers. And, you know, honesty is moving. Honesty moves. And I still recognize that Faith is full of it, though. Like, she'll still be a manipulative. But with that said... Nick is making the same mistake as Phyllis, and we saw that um, when Sharon found out the truth. Sharon is Faith's mother. Cancer or not, remission or not, she deserves to know. And like I said, she was angry too, and rightfully so. And he called Phyllis irresponsible, but sir, you're being irresponsible too. When Phyllis called Faith out, um, I noticed that Faith gave Phyllis a quick, angry, and low-key hateful look. And you never know. It's, and, and for me, you know, it's crazy. Um, as a child, I was never rebellious or acted out. So when I see this on TV and I see people on the boards talking about their children going through it, I'm like, but we never put our mom through it like that. Well, I know I didn't. So we'll say that. <laughs> but yeah, and you know, again, talking about flips and things being so abrupt, Faith has been good for so long. So what is it about Jordan that sparks this within her See, to act this way, to act out? You know, she's been through a lot, but this wasn't a gradual thing. It was just sudden. I feel like that's so many things on the show. Just so many sudden, abrupt changes. But it's interesting how everybody's pushing Devon and Amanda. Phyllis is, and even Lily. It's like Elena is like a shunned black sheep. Did like Lily ever even really like her? Because she just switched to Amanda so quick. Or is Lily pushing it to secure Billy for herself because she knows Amanda and Billy were a thing even if unofficially and just going back to Lily and, and Amanda I did not like Lily questioning Amanda yes Amanda's corporate and typically you do need to get a criminal attorney but she's been trained on everything and she said herself that she had a focus on criminal justice at first and just from law school personal experience here you do take classes in different areas and so do medical students they do rotations and clinicals in different areas so it's just like you know don't talk like amanda's not there or like she doesn't have a sound mind to know how to approach a legal situation it just and to me that moment just affirmed you know my earlier expressed thought she doesn't want billy and amanda spending time together and for me, I was like, is it a tease of maybe Amanda being a real threat? But then, you know, here Billy goes calling Lily hot and wanting to kiss her again and not being able to stop thinking about her. So there's that. Just more abrupt changes. Elena's dream segment sequence reminded me of Abby's. And I'm not a fan of filler, especially when the show is already moving at a snail's pace and barely anything really happening, you know? So let's go back to Sharon really quick when she committed Adam. I'll be safe. That's what she said to Ray. Aren't you on your way to go affirm why you think a man needs to be committed because he's unstable and a danger to himself and others, but you're telling Ray that you'll be safe. Like, girl, come on. Again, an example of one of my favorites acting up part two. Billy is part one. And, you know, shifting back to Chatham, I understand why Chloe hates Adam. But you can't give an ultimatum on who Chelsea should choose. You should never do that. But I will say that Chloe has the right to exit, you know, the toxicness that she's indirectly or directly rather exposed to, even though Chloe's toxic herself. You know, she has to protect her mental health and friends are not required to stay unconditionally. Their friendship needed to end. And it honestly hasn't made sense for a while. So, yeah, 
I like Elena and Lola as roommates and friends. I think they work. They're different, but they're also similar. And listen, the way that Lola described Nate, like, girl, do you want him too? Like, she sounded super attracted to him, which if they don't do a late in the end um, as endgame, even though they're going for that right now, if they're not endgame, then I would be interested in a Nate and Lola screen test. And I've already came up with a name for them. They could be Lola. I'm sorry. That is Lola. <laughs> they could be Nola. So what do you guys think? Anyway, so shifting back again and just shifting gears to Adam, the way he ran out of that room, y'all, when Victor was trying to have him committed, I cackled. I'm interested in this storyline now, you know, with him being admitted. So hopefully they make this worth it. And I actually did feel bad for him again. And again, just a reminder, my thoughts on the podcast are voiced in order of how I saw them, like in episode order. So with that in mind, Green looks great on Sharon Case. And on another note, um, I love Mariah's body type. I like that it's different, you know. I find her and her shape beautiful and more representative of society. And if you know, there's no Nola, you know, Nate and Lola. I want Mariah paired with Lola. Like, Mariah needs a storyline, and moreover, I think they have chemistry. Lola's still relatively new to the show, to dating, and to a love life, so you could easily make her buy and not be going out of the way or doing a strong rewrite. So there's my thoughts on that. But stepping out of the more superficial notes that I just said, Victoria said Adam was the dangerous one, the one at its lowest, or his lowest. Okay, yeah, he's struggling for sure. But Victoria says, you're not doing well yourself. You need some intensive therapy. And shifting back to Amanda and Elena as well. I love that Amanda still sees Elena as a friend. I love black friendships. I love friendships between women in general. And it made me happy that they spent Thanksgiving together. And that men didn't divide them. And I love Lola coming home too. I love seeing a tribe of women. These interactions are meaningful. And I want all shows to realize that. And listen, back to Phyllis being messy, not her being unintentionally messy and spilling the tea on Faith and then Nick's live omission to Sharon. And on a funny note, shifting back to the whole cheating scandal with Nate and Devon and them having Thanksgiving together, there was a funny moment when Nate was like, you think Lily is coming back? And Devon was like, nah, she ain't coming back. Like, that was just so funny. The way Devon, aka Brighton, delivered it, priceless. So that wraps up all of my thoughts on Young and the Restless. And now I'm going to shift to my thoughts on GH. All right. So kicking off GH, we are going to discuss the intervention. So Diane's like, I would make a deal with the double comment. It was so funny. And, you know, she was just also flawlessly vulnerable during the intervention in a way that we don't typically get to see from Diane. And outside of Ava, I would say Diane is one of my most favorite characters on the show. Side note, I love how Valentin is so unbothered by all the shots, slanders, and threats. Like, that's energy. <laughs> I also love that, you know, he moved Alexis's legs and he just, his kind words to her. I love their bond and I just love that there's kind of a sibling love between them. I think it's sweet. And just speaking of sweet bonds, I also love the bond between Cam and Franco that they de developed. I think it's just really amazing. For the explosion. Now, there really should have been some fire, even if it was localized inside. I know money is tight, budget, and then there's COVID to consider. But still, give us some fire. Give us some smoke. Like, it didn't feel like a real explosion whatsoever. 
But shifting more to the fallout, so the moment that Lulu called Dustin, I knew he was going to be killed. They haven't done much with him on the show, so I was like, he's an easy, you know, target for this. And, you know, I'm also busy, so I was spoiler free. I didn't know that, you know, Dustin was going to be killed, and I didn't know that Dev was going to be killed. But I'm not surprised to see Dev exit. Same thing, they didn't know what to do with him, and they also just ran the infamous bus over him. And I hate, I will say that I hate now that the team quad is now a trio. And just please, even though I know it's coming, please no love triangle. Please just let them be friends. Because I know Trina's going to be the one left out. And you know how strongly I do not want that to be, you know. And also just thinking about the fallout. I have a complicated relationship with my dad, much like Sam. And I still have moments where I lean in and he hugs me and I just feel comforted and just, you know, I like that moment between Sam and Julian. Though with his exit, you know, coming and his role in the explosion, I know that kind of tenderness is not for long. I also love seeing Max Scorpio, by the way. Have to just throw that in there. But moving on, the way Brando described his relationship with Dev, it would have been nice to see it on screen. I'm so tired of off-screen GH. Like, can we bring off-screen GH to on-screen GH sometimes? Because it seems like there's a lot of good stuff going on in the off-screen world. So, just a reminder, by the way, as I mentioned to my Young and the Restless fam, when I do a podcast episode on the soap operas, I'm going in order of the episodes that I've seen. So, my thoughts will flow in that way. And so with that in mind, you know, I don't blame Valentine, you know, for just saying, you know, I don't want your gratitude to Sam. Like you've talked all this crap about me all night. And then even as you thank me, you still talk crap. You know, I wouldn't want that gratitude either. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, the thing about doing good, you have to do it for the love of doing good. If you expect applause, it's not real. And Valentine did it out of pure love and respect for Alexis, which I appreciate. And a few last thoughts on GH. So I just want to take a moment to highlight Cameron, a.k.a. William Limpton, the actor. He had a great initial reaction to Dev's death. The best out of the quad. Well, really the trio since Dev is dead. But (laughs) yeah, Cameron had a great reaction to it. An actor being able to emote and deliver tears so young is pretty good. So many like grown actors on this show other soap operas and even prime time don't have the same ability so shout out to william and like i said it looks like now jocelyn's going to admit her feelings and they're going for jocelyn and cam which is just too predictable too in line to do something fresh do something new show black girls love show that representation dabble interracial love just be what society is represent that stop taking the easy simple way out And that wraps up my thoughts. I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I appreciate all the love and support. I hope that you all had a lovely Thanksgiving. I hope that you're doing well. And I'll see you next time.